0: Hello and welcome to the Knowing Self, Knowing Others podcast, the fortnightly podcast discussing self-aware leadership with thinkers from around the globe. Join me, your host, Nia Thomas, as we talk to today's guest. Listeners, I'm delighted to be joined by Andrew Sewell today. Andrew is a leadership coach and he's currently writing a book as well as being a coach, Overthinker's Guide to Life. Andrew's specific area of interest and expertise is in overthinking. And I'm sure listeners, if you've been listening to the podcast, this is something that we frequently talk about in terms of self-awareness. At what point does self-awareness become rumination and overthinking? So hopefully Andrew can help us answer that question today. Andrew, it's lovely to have you here. Please do introduce yourself.
1: Thank you. Thanks very much for having me yeah well, my backgrounds are in slightly different to leadership coaching so I started in advertising I was a creative I was a writer so I was doing ideas for many years and then I had a sort of choice to make in midlife about whether to keep climbing the ladder or whether to do something different and I chose the road less travel the different route and ended up in I was going to become a therapist and then I thought, now a better way to sort of combine my professional corporate background with psychology and inner leadership work would be to become a coach. So I made that pivot then. So that's very brief introduction. Obviously, I'd experienced lots of overthinking in my um, time as a creative and time managing various clients and doing big presentations and pitches. And I think it was almost like my major source of stress. Like on one side, I had to use my imagination to create ideas. But on the other side, that imagination also led to, as you said, rumination. So I was constantly overthinking everything.
0: (laughs) But Andrew, you you describe yourself as a recovering overthinker. How did you get to the point of recovery? And are you recovered or (laughs) is it a continuous journey?
1: Good question. So it was seven years ago. So almost to the to the week that we're recording this podcast, it's going to be seven years since right. I left a full-time job. So in those seven years, I've definitely done a lot of inner work to help me be a recovering overthinker. Uh, am I a cured overthinker? No, I don't think so. I think it's a lifelong journey, but I definitely have more headspace, more roundedness, and more chilled out. I don't have sleepless nights as much as I used to. I just, I've got a much, I would describe it as I've changed my relationship with my thoughts. So I have a much healthier relationship to my thoughts than I used to do. So that's, so yeah, I've definitely made
0: progress. So listeners, if you are an overthinker or somebody who is woken up at three o'clock in the morning overthinking things, stick around and take a listen to what Andrew has to say. How do you define self-awareness and really what does it mean to you
1: self-awareness i mean very simply it means knowing yourself that's a it's a lot more complicated than that though so it means knowing your strengths it means knowing your weaknesses it means knowing what kind of environment you thrive in it means knowing how you're showing up to people. It means knowing some sense of how how you're landing with people, how they're receiving you, especially as a leader. It's about knowing when you need to rest and recover. It's all of those different elements of your life come under self-awareness, I would say. The tricky bit is that lots of our self is unconscious. (laughs) So it's like subconscious thoughts, ingrained behavior and learning patterns that show up in different ways. And that's where you've got to pay, I would say, special attention to become more self-aware. That's where the main gains are when you work with someone like me as a coach or even just as a within a leadership development base at work. It's usually about trying to get under the surface a bit. How are you showing up? Are you a perfectionist? Are you a people pleaser? Why do you procrastinate? Why can't you make a decision in that situation? Those deeper self-awareness questions, I think that's where the real richness comes.
0: And um, I guess that was a question I was thinking of, is that when you start to work with people from a, a coaching perspective, is self-awareness one of the things that you do right at the very, very beginning, and, and I guess I ask this question because I've spoken to people who are leadership development coaches specifically, and they say they always start from self-awareness. I've talked to coaches who work with people who have, have been perpetrators of bullying, and they say that self-awareness comes at the end of their program, and that makes sense to me because you need to work to it. Where does self-awareness fit in your coaching conversation?
1: That's a, a super good question. So when I'm working with leadership teams, like, you know, helping teams trust each other and galvanize as a team around a common set of values and a vision of purpose, self-awareness comes early there. It's like, okay, okay, why are we all showing up? What are our values? What's, why do we get in our own way? That's the key self-awareness question. Why do we get in our own way? And it's, you know, it can be all kinds of things, but that's the, the question you explore. On a one-to-one level, The self-awareness question almost always is what I start with because, again, people are usually showing up to me. Why do I keep getting in my own way? Or I'm about to start this new role. How can you help me smash it in the first 90 days? In my last role, I've become aware that I'm good at this and I'm sort of not so good at this. How can I take that knowledge and then show up in the present moment, that's a key thing to self-awareness, like your present grows a person and do a better job than I did last time. So your, the bully question, I, I've had definitely experience of bullies in my work life, and I know what a narcissist is. And that's that's a tricky coaching assignment. <laughs> coaching a narcissist. I mean, there's different things. A bully is probably there's a, a bully's broader than a narcissist. There could be bullying for all kinds of different reasons. And some bullies might be more open to self-awareness or self-reflection than others. But if you're, I would say if you're a proper narcissist, by definition, self-awareness is not on the agenda. <laughs> that's yeah. why they do what they do. <laughs> So, yeah, Donald right. Trump is a narcissist, right? He's Absolutely. not self aware, but weirdly, he became president of the United States, which says a lot about our, what leadership is and hierarchical organizations and all of that stuff.
0: Absolutely. And um, listeners, you'll have probably heard I frequently refer to Donald Trump. So, I'm so glad Andrew's mentioned his name as well. It's not just me. <laughs> What are your thoughts on the relationship between self-awareness and leader effectiveness?
1: I coach from a whole person approach, so it's not just like your job as a leader. This is I want leaders to show authentically with a really good well-developed skill set, with a really committed buy into the vision for the organization. So by definition, self-awareness is absolutely crucial to leadership effectiveness in my book. And I would say for myself, the more self I've become, the better a leader I've become, definitely, both within my own life and with, within past within teams that I managed. But sometimes from my experience of coaching people, it seems like people can get a long way in leadership with, with a lack of self-awareness, like seriously, because it isn't People look for confidence. People look for decisive decision-making, ambition, drive. That can be like self-awareness and that skill set don't necessarily appear in the same person. But usually that person hits a a ceiling of stress or a ceiling in the organisation where what got them here won't get them there. And that's the best-case scenario where there's there's a moment of like, reckoning where it's like okay this is a kind of a wake-up call here. you can either go to the next level which involves becoming self-aware or you can keep plowing that treadmill which usually is not a great thing for the team the business and and the person involved
0: what i'm definitely hearing is that these two things are mutually exclusive That actually you can be a leader without self-awareness and we're often talking about the elon musks of the world and the trumps of the world so yeah
1: I'm more on the side of Nelson Mandela <laughs> as the leader of the world, I
0: want. Yeah, like yeah.
1: that, rockly self-aware, like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Do
0: you think effective leaders can be found at all levels? And and what's your experience that really suggests that they can or they can't?
1: Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I was coaching someone a couple of weeks ago. He was an apprentice. He's, like, 22 years old. And he's, like, absolutely a leader already, totally... There's definitely su- such a thing as a born leader, like I that guy is. He was captain of the football team. He's already showed it. He's captain of the football team. He worked in the local pizza restaurant. He was like the manager when he was 19. Some people just have that, like, skill set, an ability to take responsibility, like, really early. And it's admirable because that guy was, like, self-aware as well. I'm totally curious about learning. Totally knew that he didn't know much about the world of work. I just thought I would follow you if you were the leader of my team, like weirdly. And he's like, he's 22 years old. So yeah.
0: Interesting. And I think that is that is fascinating when you see people who can't possibly have built up uh, an experienced bank but still are leaders and I think this comes back to the question that we're, we're often having about nature versus nurture and there are so many people who are of the view that leadership can be taught but like you I'm more of the view that something has to be innately in your character to be able to go to training and build on it so I think that there is definitely this notion of born leadership and then development. But I think if you don't have any innate leadership traits, you can't take them forward. I don't know what your views are.
1: Broadly, yes. I think obviously your parents count, your upbringing counts for a lot, The, yes. the, the your values count. I think there is something to that born leader thing. I think some people just have it. Yeah. And the best ones are doing it from a wholehearted place. I mean, there's always going to be a desire to prove something, but a lot of people I see, I don't want to go too negative, but like ambition drive is obviously a really healthy trait, but can also be a compensation factor. I'm not enough somewhere in my life. Therefore, the only place I can prove my worth is at work. So I'm just going to like go for it, big style. I wouldn't class that person as a board leader. I was... I would class that person as a, your leadership is something that you're doing to avoid the rest of your life and looking at yourself. But yeah, that's, there are leaders, definitely.
0: That's really interesting. And when I had a conversation with Amy Gandon um, in episode five uh, of the podcast, she was talking about uh, young people developing their self-awareness so that they can almost hide their flaws on the basis of... If I know my flaws first, then nobody else can take me down because of them, which is very similar to what you're saying.
1: Well, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Is work competition or a collaboration is the, is the key question. But it goes meta immediately because obviously the way our economy is set up, is businesses, organisations compete for customers, for funding, for everything. Yeah. But I would say the better you are at collaboration, the more likely you are to win the competition. I think, I think you're right. I think some people do overplay the game. I just doesn't vibe with me as a good life strategy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree. So, Andrew, you are going to join me in the 10-word challenge. So, we're going to try something new today. We're going to do a word association game. So, I'm going to share 10 words with Andrew, and I want to know the first word that comes into your mind. So, let's start (coughs) with word number one, reflection.
1: Journaling. Obviously, I'm a writer by trade, so write it down. Spend 10 minutes a day reflecting on your work day, on your values, on what you're grateful for, anything. Anything like that just a way to get it out of your head and onto a piece of paper word number
0: two authenticity
1: <laughs> um is it real or is it fake authenticity <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> which I don't even know what that means but I think it like 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 that point that you just made about the people who play the game of leadership by covering their flaws people can be like oh yeah I'm off I'm authentic yeah let's let's just all be ourselves and yeah this is fine and But it's not real. It's just they're just talking the talk of what they think like the latest business speak is supposed to reflect. But I think there's a difference between that and genuinely showing up as yourself.
0: Word number three, feedback.
1: Highly valuable, rarely given well. Oh, love
0: it. Number four, mindfulness.
1: The difference that makes the difference for me. I mean, 100%. In the last seven years, I would say that the most important thing that I've done is meditation, mindfulness. It's definitely been the sort of route into my recovering from overthinking and becoming more. I used to be a very heady person, more embodied, more grounded. It's taken me down into more bigger questions about what do I want from life? Yeah, so definitely a huge thing for me.
0: Five is bullying.
1: personally absolutely hate bullying like it's one of my biggest i even since i was a kid i just absolutely couldn't abide bullies (laughs)
0: number six hybrid
1: hybrid interesting word the future (laughs) the present what does hybrid mean for you that's kind of is the more space for you to define your own work style work context work life balance i think that's got to be the way things go
0: Number eight, positivity.
1: Can be a terrible idea. <laughs> so like positive thinking. I'm amazing. This is awesome. Come on, guys, let's do this. At worst, pointless. It's just not a very good idea. So if you, obviously positivity, optimism, hope. These are really good words. And that's what you want your teams to be. But you need to include space for the whole conversation. You can't just make it falsely positive.
0: Number nine is
1: office. Miss it sometimes. Miss the banter, miss having a laugh with my mates, miss going to the quick drink after work, miss seeing lots of different people. So in some ways I miss it, but in many other ways I don't miss it.
0: And our last word, number 10, is happiness.
1: Happiness. Yeah, what does that mean? That's that's funny. I like the word joy, but uh, happiness is um, momentary. It's like, it's what everybody's searching for it's very context driven you don't find it in buying a ferrari um i think you can tap into an innate sense of happiness if you do meditation long enough i think that feels a bit more like joy than happiness but yeah it's good to laugh that's what makes me happy (laughs) don't take yourself too seriously that's what leads to happiness (laughs) absolutely thank you andrew
0: Do you think leaders at the most strategic level of organisations have greater self-awareness than leaders at other level of organisations? And what experience have you got that informs that view?
1: I think it entirely depends on the context. I've experienced both sides of that equation. So in my last job, I think my immediate boss and the one person above that were properly self-aware and committed to their, their own growth. I think in other coaching situations that it felt like the team we were coaching were more self-aware than other people at more senior levels in the organization without sort of breaking any kind of confidentiality. But yeah, I would say so. depends on the culture of the business and what it rewards.
0: And our final question, and I think this is one of the ones that I, I really want to explore with you. What do you think is an effective way to develop self-awareness? And there is a line on your website, overthinkers.co.uk, that I want listeners to, to hear. I think many of you are suffering in secret. By day, you wear professional masks, but at night, it's a different story with racing thoughts that can keep you awake long after dark. So with that in mind and that awareness and knowledge of overthinking, how would then do we develop self-awareness to help us with our overthinking?
1: Big question. What is overthinking? So, I mean, I define overthinking very broadly, but in the sort of standard psychological text, overthinking is either, you mentioned it, it's either ruminating about something that's already happened, dwelling on something, going over, did I, what was that conversation like? Did I say something that offended that person? Are you worrying about the future? I'm like, what if? What if I lose my job? What if that person, that presentation falls flat on its face? So the present moment is the only place that you can become self-aware. And it's the only place that you can look at your overthinking. So again, I would I would highly recommend some kind of mindfulness meditation practice. But many people who I coach said, oh, I can't do mindfulness meditation. I can't do this, which is fair enough. I totally get that. So what would you do if you didn't develop a mindfulness habit? Look at your patterns. You could talk to somebody who's got your back, who you trust, and you say, look, how do you see me as a person? And you might know yourself already. Like, I'm quite a perfectionist. I'm a bit of a people pleaser. I used to procrastinate about things that I didn't want to do. I mean, it's very common. Most people are all of those things on some level, especially if you're you've got a decent job. You normally get hired because of your perfectionism <laughs> on some level. So no. it's like it's, it's like these are traits that are hired for. You could almost see, I wrote something about this the other week. So you could see your strengths become your weaknesses. So your desire to work and achieve high standards becomes perfectionism. And you have a ton of overthinking around your perfectionism. Is that good enough? Which obviously ties... Much deeper into like, am I good enough, but that gets into a more of a therapy conversation, but just so notice when those thoughts occur, when am I thinking around is that good enough or are you feeling like a perfectionist? You could do something around people, please, when am I overthinking around have I offended that person or how should I be with this person? That's a sign that's sort of a part of you that's a people pleasing part is showing up that's gonna lead to a ton of overthinking, so like it's it's almost like. Overthinking is a big generic stress-induced thing. It's like getting curiosity about it. What's going on for me? What part of me is showing up to do with that piece of overthinking? What's another part of me that can show up? And it's almost, so that sort of people-pleasing can also be a massive strength. You want to like keep the team happy. You you care about what that person thinks. You want to hold everyone together. But just notice when it flips and it becomes like a an inner saboteur. This is all a self-awareness conversation. If one thing you could do, right, is notice when you say the word should. So I should call my mother tonight. I should go for a run. I should talk to my team more, have more check-ins. Like get curious about that word should, because it'll usually, I mean it's not always, because some things are genuinely like you should do them, because they're in your contract. But loads of the time it'll be coming from your conditioning, you're like, psychological habitual patterns and that's where your overthinking comes from those parts of yourself that are criticizing you and judging you and saying why didn't you do this why didn't you do that that's the stuff that keeps us awake at night or keeps me awake at night it's like oh what if that's like another massive question what if my business doesn't succeed
0: that is really good advice so listeners if you want to help Break down this problem that you feel is insurmountable. Think about the times you use should and think about the times you use what if and break them down into their compartments, I guess. So you mentioned people pleasing and maybe there's something about achievement and maybe there's something about, you know, things that are in your contract and you really should do. That is breaking it down into achievable sections and maybe action planning against it
1: first step is about like awareness to come back to you. So it's like about the keys here are you're approaching it from an attitude of curiosity. That's super important. Curiosity and compassion for yourself. So like usually you come, you're being too hard on yourself and you're not that curious. You're just like, Oh my God, that thought's showing up again, stress, just block it. So it's about giving yourself some space, which comes from curiosity and compassion which I would say are intrinsic to everybody's authentic self, like everybody has the the ability to do this. And then once you've got curious about it, then it's about, yeah, then you can start figuring out what to do about it. But don't rush too quick into the action planning. The curiosity stage is quite a big part of it. But then it's about creating little tiny actions about moving, which usually is quite scary on some level like involves feeling uncomfortable so that's but those small step actions can help manage the the discomfort and the fear around that.
0: Andrew thank you so much for joining me on this really interesting conversation and Listeners, if you are worried about your thinking and your ruminating and maybe overthinking, pop over to Andrew's website, overthinkers.co.uk. You can also link up with Andrew on LinkedIn. And you can, if you go to his website, you can sign up for Think Less Thursday, which is his weekly bulletin um, and newsletter that you can keep up to date and maybe help you move on your journey to become a recovering overthinker like Andrew. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a really interesting conversation. it's
1: a pleasure, Nia. Nia, lovely to meet you.
0: Thank you for joining me, your host, Nia Thomas, and my guest on today's episode. Remember to rate and review this podcast on your favourite podcast player and to join me in two weeks' time for the next episode. Looking forward to having you on my learning journey. The Knowing Self, Knowing Others podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Index, Overcast, Amazon Music, Podcast Addict, Castro, Castbox, Podchaser...